Listen, let it snow. This comes from Isaiah 118. It, it talks about um, even though our sins are like scarlet, he can make them white as snow. So last week we talked about this. Let's just recap this quickly. Last week we talked about the fact that we are sinners. Remember I told you you wouldn't enjoy last week. Last week was not fun probably, but you got to have the bad news. The bad news is what makes the good news so good. So we said this last week, without the bad news, the good news is just news. And the average news cycle in America is 24 hours, which means you, what you heard yesterday in the news, you probably don't even remember it. And if you did remember it, it would be replaced with whatever comes today. And tomorrow you won't remember what came today. And so it's actually the bad news that helps us remember the power of the gospel, right? God's gift was too big for us. He was too, it was too good to us for us just to remember it today and forget it tomorrow, okay? So <laughs> the illustration I told you was because we all messed it up. Now, we want to blame Adam and Eve, but if we'd have been in the garden, we'd have done the same thing, right? If, because we all messed it up, our sin has made our lives a lot like my yard. I have an ugly yard. It's... Thank you so much. We don't have ushers, but we'll build a team now if you'll take him out. <laughs> our, my, I mean, our yard is dirt and roots and leaves and moss. We don't have grass. We have moss. It's not good, y'all. It's ugly. And so when it snows, I love snow because it covers up my ugly yard. Right? So in, when it snows in my neighborhood, I go from that dude with the dirt to he's got a yard just like everybody else. And I can look out the window and everybody's yard looks the same. So last week we talked about that, that, that the bad news is like my ugly yard, but the snow, the bad news highlights how good that snow is. And so we said this month mercy is falling at the gathering because the snow represents the mercy of God. Which means it doesn't matter how ugly your life is, how ugly your, your yard is, the mercy of God, check this out, not only covers it, but it does more than what snow does in my yard. Because snow covers my yard, but it really just covers up my yard, right? But if that snow would melt, and then I had suddenly this lush green yard, flowers growing everywhere, we'd be like, that was some magic snow, wasn't it? Well, snow doesn't do that, but the mercy of God does. So he says, not only will I make it snow mercy in your life, but even though your sins were like scarlet, I'll make them, the sins that were like scarlet, white as snow. He transforms us. So last week we said there's snow much transformation, right? There's snow much transformation. And what I want you to get out of today is that that's actually an attractive message to the culture. So we, we, we mean pastors, we can be our worst critics. We can be the, the worst people in the church because we're always talking about how, like, oh, nobody goes to church anymore. Look around the room, y'all. The mercy of God is an attractive message to the world, and here's why. You already agree with me, okay? So don't look at anybody. Don't point anybody out. But everybody in this room, we all know that we need to change. There's something in your life that you know needs to change. There's something that gets you on your knees at night or in the morning or during the day while you're on your shift. That would be awkward, wouldn't it? That makes you cry out to God, please fix this. All of us know that. And what we know about people is this. If there's anything that sounds like it could possibly change the part of my life that needs to be changed, we'll give that thing a shot. 
You don't have to even love Jesus to believe with what I, to agree with what I just said. You just got to be breathing, right? So we're all starting on the same place at the same place in, in this message. Here, let me give you a couple examples. Number one, gym memberships are fixing to explode, y'all. Right now, if you're a gym person, like, and I'm, by gym person, I mean you go all the time, you work out, use the track, use the equipment, whatever. Then you already know that you are going to hate January. Because everybody and their brother is going to join the gym. You know why? They need to. Right? They know they need to. And so they think, if I join this gym and I go to the Y and I do that little beep thing, the ma- that beep is magic. And if I just beep that thing enough every, every week, I'll just stop, start dropping weight. I'll start developing muscles. You know, I'll finally meet a girl or whatever, you know. So we'll try it. We'll sign up for the bank draft, even though we know it's going to be a pain to get out of that thing. We'll try anything, because if I join a gym, that might help me change the part of me that I know needs to change. You with me so far? We're not even talking about Jesus yet, okay? Just life. Let me give you one more example. Late night infomercials. Do you know why they keep showing them? Because we keep buying that stuff. Because we're tired. It's been a long day. And I brush my teeth like crazy, and I can't get them white. And somebody does a teeth whitening infomercial at 11.30 at night. I'm so tired, and I'm just like, yeah, it might work. <laughs> Got it. Then it comes in the mail. And it's like you put it on one time. Like, That's, that tastes awful. That doesn't even fit well. Like I'm walking around like I got swollen lips. But you bought it because you really know that your teeth want to be white. You want them to be whiter. You want to change. And so you gave it a shot. Let me give you one more example. This one's real. Well, they're all real, but this is real. Politics. If nothing else proves my point, and again, we're not talking about Jesus yet, okay? So if you're here today and you don't love Jesus, somebody just tricked you to go into church, just go to church and I'll buy you lunch. This, you can still agree with me, okay? You're, you can just be like, yeah, this is true. Politics proves the point that we will try anything if it sounds like it will change the part of our life that we know needs to change. So come 2020, November, first Tuesday, you're going to vote for the candidate that you think will change the thing in your life that needs to be changed. So if candidate A will put more money in my pocket, and I don't have any money in my pocket, and that needs to change, I'm going to vote for candidate A. If candidate B can provide me with health care and I don't have health care and I really need health care, you're going to vote for If there's a candidate C that can give me teeth whitening, I'm all in. See what I'm saying? Like, we're, you already believe this. You already believe that transformation is attractive. The difference between all the examples that I just gave you and Jesus is that he actually delivers. Okay? So our text this morning, when we read this first verse, you won't be surprised by this first verse. This first verse will be like, well, duh, okay? And you can say that out loud. Most pastors like to hear amen. I'm good with, well, duh, all right? So in Mark chapter 3, Mark chapter 3, here, verse 7, here's the very first thing. Jesus went out to the lake with his disciples, and a large crowd followed him. Well, duh. Of course a large crowd followed him. So you have to ask yourself, why was a large crowd following Jesus? Either there's something awesome about that lake, and if you're a lake person, you're like, well, that's why. Jesus had a jet ski, right? They're going to go tubing. 
oh, we can't even talk about tubing because that's the best thing in the world, right? Especially when you, like, hit that thing. It's fantastic. Anyway, were they following him because of the lake? No, no. You know why they were following him? Because he was a man of mercy. Now, look. This is actually, it's the third verse, the third chapter of Mark. But if you take the, the Gospels, which Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if you take them and read them in chronological order, then what you find out is, even though this is the beginning of the book of Mark, it's actually in the second year of Jesus' public ministry. Okay? So a lot's been going on before we get to this story that we're reading now. And what a lot of um, scholars will say is that his second year, they'll call it the year of popularity. Doesn't that sound like fun? How many of you would like to have a year of popularity? That would be awesome. I've had a year of problems. I've had a year of pain. I'll get popularity a shot. That would be fun, right? So this was called Jesus' year of popularity because he had done so much in the first year that he was very popular. Now, this is just a sample of things that happened in the first year, just a few. This is not everything, okay? But to this point, here's what the crowd has seen Jesus do. He changed water into wine. Y'all know that will draw a crowd, right? He cleared the temple of the people who were cheating people out of money. If you've ever been cheated out of money, then you know that will draw a crowd, right? He got whips out. It was awesome. Y'all should check it out. He met a Samaritan woman at a well. He healed an official son. He healed an unclean man, and he healed Peter's mother-in-law. That will draw a crowd, right? Like when the mother-in-law's getting touched, people are like, you won't believe this. Like he healed her, right? He healed a leper, and I love that. Well, I can't even talk. This is not even part of the message, but I love when he touches the lepers before he heals them, right? You got to go back into the mindset of that day when you didn't touch lepers because they were unclean, and if you touched them, you became unclean. So people would talk to lepers like this. What's up? Keep my distance from you. And Jesus, who had all the power, who could have healed them from a distance and then touched them, would always walk up to lepers and he'd be like, how's it going? I just, I picture Jesus rubbing their head, patting them on the back, you know, chest bumping them, like getting all up in that dirty mess and then healing them. Just to prove the point. I can't be made unclean. I'm Jesus, right? I love that. That'll draw a crowd. He's healed some paralytics. I mean, again, somebody can't walk, and all of a sudden they're walking. That'll draw a crowd. And then the verses just before what we read in in verses 1 through 6, he just healed a man's deformed hand in church on the Sabbath, which was a big deal because apparently you're not supposed to do that stuff on the Sabbath because that's considered work. I don't particularly think it's work when you can heal somebody, but the religious people did. So he had just done that. So what I want you to see is he's done all this stuff in the first year of his ministry, and he was just everywhere he went, like just mercy is oozing out of Jesus, right? And mercy attracts people. That's your first point. Mercy attracts people. When you start to to do the things that God wants to do through you, when you start to give his mercy away, it attracts people. People want to know more about that. Verses 7 and 8, it mentions the places that they came from, places like Galilee, Judea, Jerusalem, um, east of the Jordan River, from as far north as Tyre and Sidon. And here's why they came. The news about his miracles had spread far and wide. 
people were talking about Jesus everywhere. So anytime Jesus showed up somewhere, crowd would follow him all the time. In fact, if you read, if you read in, in the New Testament, in the Gospels, you'll read times that Jesus actually would try to get away from the crowd. You ever done that? You ever come from Black Friday shopping, you sit down in your room alone, and you're like, oh, this is nice, right? It's just good to get away from the crowd. And Jesus would get away from the crowd, and then the crowd would find out, somebody would find out where he is. Jesus! And he'd spread the word, and they'd all follow over to him. He'd have to find somewhere else, and follow him again. This was, his, this was his ministry for quite a while. Trying to get alone, they'd find him. Try to get alone, they'd find him. What did Jesus do when the crowd found him? And he never sent him away, right? He never sent him away. We know how big of a crowd it was. We don't know how the actual number. But it does say at the end of verse 8 that vast numbers of people came to see him. I don't know what the actual amount is for vast, but I'm going to say a lot, right? It's a big amount. So much so that in verse 9, and we'll talk about this in a minute, it was a large enough crowd that apparently it could have crushed them. Anybody go to concerts? Yeah. You ever been a part of a concert crowd and you're like, I mean, I'm loving this. I'm probably going to die, but I'm loving it, right? Mosh pits come to mind for me, right? Like that's the crush. That's the crowd. Like there's, it's almost like this is thrilling but a little dangerous, and that's why we like it. <laughs> we need counseling, right? Mercy attracts people. I live in New London. I live in a subdivision called Random Hills. Um, and we have in our subdivision, there's just one hill, and it's the sledding hill, right? So when it snows, and it doesn't snow enough, can I get an amen here? Out of here, how many of you wish we had more snow? You're like me. You're like, okay, see, you agree with me, right? I, I've got friends all over the country, and when I, like people like from, like, the north or from the Dakotas or wherever, when they post pictures and say, like, you know, 12 inches of snow dumped last hour, I go, God, if you can do it there, you can do it here, right? You're no respecter of persons. I pray for snow all the time. I'm the reason you had bubbles falling on your head today, right? Because, like, just if we could just make it look like snow, just don't eat that snow. Don't put your tongue out. It's, it's not good, right? I want it. Now, probably if we had one winter here that's like the winters that you probably experienced up north, I'd probably be like, yeah, I'm good. But I've never had a winter like that. You know, like uh, somebody was telling me yesterday about a city that, like, had 96 inches in, like, three weeks. I'm like, yes, and I want that to be Albemarle. <laughs> every parent is praying against me right now. And every kid that goes to school is like, we would be out of school for the year. Like, even after it melted, teachers would be like, I ain't going back. There's no way. But I want it, y'all. I mean, I do. I really, I want that. So this hill in our, in our subdivision, whenever it snows, which is not enough, that hill becomes the sledding hill. And the reason is because it's, it's got a really good steep angle, but it also angles away from the sun. So the sun is always, like, blocked from getting to that part of the, of the subdivision because of all the trees and the steep, and the steep hill and, and everything else. So what happens is... Everybody shows up on that hill. They all start sledding. Parents, like you got neighborhood watch groups. You know what I'm talking about? Like they watch out for crime. We have a neighborhood sledding group. Like they don't watch for crime. They like will 
make you, they will not let you pass at the bottom of that hill on your car because they're afraid like a kill get hit by the car. It's like you pull up like just mind your own business and they're like, not today, Satan. You know what I'm saying? Like they, they just know it's not going to happen. So they, they, they'll turn you around like because that hill, and when all the snow is melting, that hill still, it's got plenty of snow. And if it ices over, it's even better. It's, it, it's where everybody shows up. Everybody goes to the sledding hill. All the kids in the neighborhood and me, we all go to the sledding hill, right? Everybody loves it. I don't even own a sled, y'all. I just show up. And somebody's like, try this. You know, they probably hand me, like, the metal thing that's got the grease on the bottom. They're like, they're like here comes that old dude. This will be fun. You know, like, I'm getting on it like, why has everybody got their phones out? Oh, that's why, you know. But, I mean, like, it's fantastic, and you don't have to agree with people. You don't have to know people in your neighborhood. You just show up. You could come to our neighborhood and get on the sledding hill with everybody else. It doesn't matter who you are, what you look like. You just show up because there's snow, and it's fun, and it's going to be a blast. And that's a lot like what mercy does. Mercy is a lot like our sledding hill. It just attracts people. People are like, I don't really know what that's all about, that Jesus thing, but like that dude could not walk, and now he's walking, and I want to kind of hang out over here for a little bit. It just attracts people. The mercy of God attracts people. Now, I know a lot of you aren't into crowd participation, and you're at church. So we're not a real big amening church, right? <laughs> here, you take over. I'm <laughs> But I am, okay, I'm going to make a statement here, and I know even the introverts in the house, I'm going to make a statement, and when I make this statement, you are, you are going to agree with it, you're going to believe it, you're going to, in one voice, yell out the biggest amen you've ever, ever, ever yelled out, because what I say is so true. And I know I'm really building this up, and you're like, it's a trick. It's not a trick. It's not a trick. I'm going to say three words, and you're going to be like, amen. Okay, are you ready? Are you ready? God is smart. See, I told you, like, even if you don't really believe in God, you're pretty sure he's smart. He's got this thing figured out, y'all. He knows that mercy attracts people, but, but not only does mercy attract people. Check this out. People need mercy. Ah, there we go. People need mercy, right? So, so if, if, his, if mercy attracts people, and people need mercy, then God's got this thing figured out where he's got a vehicle to get the people to the thing that they need the most. And his vehicle is mercy. Or for this month, it's snow, right? We've said snow is like mercy, right? So he, he's got this thing figured out. So here's what we have to ask ourselves. If we know that mercy attracts people and people need mercy, then we should ask this question. Why aren't people getting mercy? Because God apparently has a plan. But there's a lot of people not getting mercy. And we have to ask ourselves, why is that? Why are people not getting mercy? Now, I'm going to give you the big idea, and you're going to be like, that didn't solve anything. And I'm going to explain to you why it, it does. Okay, here's your big idea. Mercy attracts people who need mercy. Now, big idea, that's just me, my way of admitting that you won't remember most of what I said. But if you can remember that. 
I think you'll get the bulk of what we're talking about, okay? So mercy attracts people who need mercy. And what you're thinking is, isn't that what you just said before? And it's actually not. Now check this out. Especially the church people in the house. Here's what we do. We're really good at the church nod, right? You know what I'm talking about? Yes, pastor. That's the church nod, right? We just do it, and we don't really think about what just got said. It's just, you said a sentence that included Jesus? Yes. Mm-hmm. That's right. I heard something about sin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I heard heaven. Yep. Mm-hmm. I heard money. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. We just do this little church nod. So when I say, listen, here's what happens. When I say mercy attracts people, you're like, yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then I came back and said, and people need mercy. Oh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. But here's what we don't, here's what we do. We try to keep them separate. As like they're two separate truths. Are you with me? So, yeah, truth one, mercy attracts people. Yes, pastor. And truth two, people need mercy. Yes, pastor. But what God does is he brings those people to the mercy. He takes those two statements and he puts them together in our lives through people. And that's why people don't receive mercy. Because it overwhelms us. We get overwhelmed. Here's how I know. Verse 9. Jesus instructed his disciples to have a boat ready so the crowd would not crush him. Anybody here ever been to India? Delhi, India? Um, anybody been to a, you can keep your hands up. Anybody been to a, like a third world country where there's more road, there's more cars than road? Yeah. That's, when you read this verse, I never got this verse until I went to Delhi. So in Delhi, India, number one, um, there would not be this many chairs. There might be this many chairs, but all of us would be in this section. I don't know how they do it. Like they can take 200 people and put them in 50 chairs and still be smiling, right? Y'all be like, get off me. (laughs) It's just their culture. Like there's that crush of the crowd is real. There's so many people that they just feel like it's going to overwhelm. And so Jesus, he told his disciples to get a boat ready so the crowd would not crush them. And I looked up the Greek. The Greek word for crowd and the Greek word for crush, same Greek word. I'm even going to tell you what it is so you can impress your friends. Are you ready? The Greek word is thlebo. I don't have a speech problem. It's like Tebow with an L thrown in. Thlebo, Right? Tlebo. It's, so I'm, what are you doing? I'm tleboing, right? That's what's happening right now. So, and here's what it means. Check this out. It means to press like grapes, to press hard on, narrow, contracted, to trouble, afflict, distress. Raise your, don't raise your hand. Just nod. If you ever get anxious in a big crowd, right? That's a big thing in our society, right? So you can already, you already relate to this. You're like, man, when the crowd starts to get bigger, I start to kind of like on the inside get smaller and smaller, and I just want to disappear. Because you can feel the crush, the narrow, the, conf- the contracted, the affliction, and that's what those words mean, for crowd and for crush. Here's a couple other verses. I'll read them to you quickly where this verse, the same word is used. Matthew seven fourteen. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few find it. 2 Corinthians 1, 6. Even when we are weighed down with troubles, it's for your comfort and salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. 2 Corinthians 4, 8. 
We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we're, we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. 2 Corinthians 7, 5. When we arrived in Macedonia, there was no rest for us. We faced conflict from every direction with battles on the outside and fear on the inside. 1 Thessalonians, Thessalonians 3.4. Even while we were with you, we warned you that troubles would soon come. And they did, as you well know. Isn't that great? You just hear Paul doing that. Like, we told you it was going to happen, and they did, as you know. Like, yeah, we know it happened to us. Hebrews 11.37. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. Others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. All those verses I just read, they're all using the same word that Jesus used for crush of the crowd. And what I want you to see is every one of those verses are the things that you pray against. We pray against that stuff. If I gave an altar call right now, who wants to be sawed in half? Run to the altar. You're probably running that way, and I'm probably with you. Right? Drop the mic and head out. We pray against this stuff. This is the kind of stuff that we feel like we're supposed to avoid in our lives. And what Jesus is saying is, but I've given you mercy, and mercy attracts people like that. My mercy puts you in situations like that, where the people in those situations that you're meeting, they need the mercy that you have. And so we try to run away from the people that we actually need to give the mercy to. They're not two different truths. It's one truth, and that's it. Mercy attracts people who need mercy. If we're honest, when we read those kind of verses, we don't quite know what to do with the mercy that we have, and so we start to try to play it kind of safe, and, and sometimes maybe we play it too safe, and we become like people that don't want to play in the snow anymore. Because playing in the snow has turned into work. Video evidence now. Oh, preparing to go to school was like getting ready for extended deep sea diving. about the pop. What? What is it? What is it? Oh. What is it? I can't put my arms down. Well, put your arms down when you get to school.
Cuero for me. So every parent can relate to this dilemma. When by the end of the day, you don't want to go out and play in the snow anymore. And you don't want your kids to go out either because it's become too much work to be in the snow. I want to submit this. That in the church today, we've made mercy too much like work. So I want to ask you a question. Are you guarded from people or are you prepared for people? So I think we tend to do what that clip is. We guard ourselves from the people in our lives that need mercy. And we bundle ourselves up so much that we can't even move. What Jesus said was, let's don't guard ourselves, let's prepare ourselves. Hey, get that boat ready. We might need it because if the crowd starts to grow and starts to crush us, we're going to need to have a plan. I'm admittedly the guy who sometimes doesn't want to step out into the snow because I don't want to ruin it. You ever been like, you look out the window, it's just so beautiful. Don't put any footprints in it, right? But snow is made to be played in, not to be looked at. The mercy of God is meant to be lived in, not just observed. So we don't want to guard ourselves from people. We want to prepare ourselves for them. One of the ways that we prepare ourselves is we we make ourselves ready for God to use us. You know, last week we talked about mercy brings so much transformation. Today I want you to know that mercy brings snow many people. Snow many people. Like there are so many people that are being attracted to what we have prayed for for eight years. Not that we would build a church that was so um, gimmicky that people would want to show up, but that the God would build a church in Albemarle where his mercy was so evident, people would be attracted to it. And so guess what's happening? They're being attracted to it. And so we want to prepare for that. You know how we do that? We do it through things like we ask God, hey, help us develop more servant leaders, more people to serve on teams, and not just in the church, but also in the city. We pray over y'all all the time that he would empower you to serve here on Sundays, but out there for six other days of the week. That our downtown would be changed because he raises up people here to start businesses in the downtown that are all about the kingdom. We pray this stuff all the time. We're praying for more community group leaders. We want to have 40 groups started by the end of 2020. Not so that we have a name for ourselves, but so that there's more people out there that are pointing people to the mercy of God. This is how we prepare ourselves for him and for the people that he's sending us. Next week, you know, I already mentioned the big give. We just said simply, we'd like to help 15 families with their power bill. We've already got 22 families that have applied. And we got a week to go. Mercy attracts people who need mercy. And now that's our part, right? Where we step in and say, hey, they need mercy. We're going to let God give mercy through us. This morning, before I got up in the first service, God put two words on my heart. And here's how we're going to end the service. He put two words on my heart about how to apply this message. Margin and mud. Here's what they mean. You got to have margin in your life if you're going to help people. I mean, I could talk to you all day long about the big give, but if you're sitting there going, I got nothing to give, you can't give. 
you got to have margin. What I love about Jesus is he said, hey, get a boat ready because we're not going to run from the crowd, but we're going to be able to put some margin between us and the crowd. He created some margin in his life so he could minister to the whole crowd. I want you to think about how you can do that this morning because God's calling you guys. I know that because we've been praying. He didn't call me to do the work. He called me to equip you to do the work, right, the ministry. And so we're, we're praying God raise people up to do the ministry. So he's calling you to put margin in your life so you can. And here's mud. <laughs> Have you ever had your kids go out and play in the snow, and then they came back to the house, and the minute you opened the door, you saw them, and you were like, whoa, 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 whoa. Take everything you have on, off. I want you naked when you come in this house, right? We are going to burn everything that you have right now because it's just gotten muddy, especially in the south, right? It gets a little bit of free, above freezing and all that snow turns into just bleh. And it's all over them. I really believe this, that this morning God told me that there are people here this, afternoon, this morning in this service in the house and you've, you're saved, you love Jesus, but your life is a muddy mess. And you're so confused by that. How can I be muddy if I've experienced the mercy of God? It's because mercy is meant to be lived in. And sometimes when we live in mercy, just like when we play in snow, things get a little bit messy. And I'm so thankful that I told you last week, God whips up a fresh batch of mercy every morning. There's mercy for you this morning today. So I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and and ask yourself that question. Am I, do I need margin in my life? Do I have mud in my life? And if the answer is yes to either one of those, then this is your moment to receive the mercy of God. And I just want you to raise your hand and say, that's me. I, I've got, I need margin in my life because God's raising me up. I know he's speaking to me about, about loving people, giving them mercy. I need margin. Or I've got mud in my life and I need him to cleanse me of that. Would you just raise your hand? Thank you. You're not alone. There's hands up all over the place. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Here's what I'm going to ask us to do. In just a minute, the team's going to lead us in that song that we sang earlier about yielding our heart. Because I think that's where it starts today, right? It's just yielding our heart to the Lord. And if you raise your hand, listen, you're in a safe place. We would love to pray with you. Just pray the mercy of God over you. And I'm going to ask you, when they start to sing, if you would just come to the front. And if you don't want to come by yourself, grab the person next to you and bring them with you. You won't be here alone. There were a lot of hands that went up. So when they start to sing, you stand up and come to the front. And if you've got a friend that's come to the front, you come with them. And let's pray for one another before we head out of here, okay? When you're ready, you just begin to move. Yeah, Jesus told them to put a, get a boat ready because there was a vast crowd, right? You can stay right here. You don't have to go anywhere at all. There was a vast crowd. So at the end of time in Revelation, I love this. Listen to this. Revelation chapter 7 says this. After this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands, and they were shouting with a great roar. Salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. Listen, our part in all of this, what an honor it is that we get to be used by God to spread the mercy to the people that are in that verse. There's a vast crowd. 
from every nation, tribe, and tongue who don't look like us, act like us, and I'm so thankful, right? Because heaven doesn't need a bunch of me. Heaven needs a bunch of we. And that's what that verse is all about. And your lives are the vehicle that God uses to spread that mercy to everybody. He just, just give us mercy, give it to us, and then send it through us, right? And so I want to pray over all of us as we close this time. I'm praying that you would, this week, have people attracted to you that drive you nuts so that you can give the mercy to them that they need, right? So let's all stand together. It's a crazy way to end a service, isn't it? Praying that you get driven nuts. And I'm praying that tomorrow at Walmart, tomorrow at your job, tomorrow at school, tomorrow in a coffee shop, wherever you find yourself with people, I'm praying that you'll find yourself talking to people who were, they're like, they'll say things like this. I don't even know why I'm telling you this. You're like, I know why. Because the mercy of God attracted you to me and I'm going to give it to you, right? Because he's going to attract people to you that need his mercy. So listen, why don't you raise your hands? Like, I don't like to do that. I know. It's okay. The Bible says it's a command. It's not a, it's not a feeling, right? And I'm just going to pray that you'd be empowered with the Holy Spirit to walk out of this room and go do out there for the next six days what he's done in here in the last hour. Father, in your name, Jesus, we thank you that your mercy is attractive to our culture and it attracts people who need it. So I pray over this house, God, that you would release us this morning. We commission a room full of missionaries, God, to live in this city and in this county what we just talked about today. Empower us by your spirit, full of your mercy, to go give to people the mercy that they need. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Somebody say amen. Amen. You guys have a fantastic week. Next week is the big give.